Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Pander Podcast, where birders talk birding. I am always up for a great guest on the podcast, but sometimes the order of guests is not completely random. At the time of this recording, I am three days from heading off on a trip, and my first step on that trip is going to be in Tennessee. Uh, I've never been to Tennessee before, and I thought Nashville could be a nice two or three day stop on the on, on the route of my trip to hear some music, see a city I've heard of but never been to, and do a little birding in a state I've never been to also. And again, later this spring, I'm hoping, if all goes well, to take a trip up the Mississippi Flyway, uh, starting down by the Gulf and working my way up, and Tennessee is a state on the Mississippi Flyway. So I might get to bird in Tennessee twice this year uh, to add a new state to my I've been birding there list. Well, I looked for a birder from Tennessee. And if you go to eBird and look for the top eBirders, the number one birder on the list is Michael Todd. Michael is turns out to be a really cool guy. Uh, He agreed to be in the podcast today. He is an avid birder, although lately, uh, due to COVID demands for work, has been working way too much and birding less than he'd like to. But he made time for me to be on the podcast, and it's really fun to hear about birding Tennessee, as well as some of his other birding escapades and his birding stories. So help me welcome Michael Todd to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 124. Michael, thanks for being on the podcast with me today. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, I think it's going to be enjoyable. I am going to be coming to Tennessee a couple of times this year. I'm uh, making a quick stop in Nashville on my way to visit my brother in Florida this, later this week. And then I'm going to make a little trip up the Mississippi, starting in New Orleans and working my way up just because I've always sort of wanted to do that. And Tennessee is one of the states on the way. So I'm hoping I can learn a little bit about the state. Tell me about birding Tennessee. Tennessee really is the, you've got, quite a variety of habitats. Like you mentioned, uh, the Mississippi River, which I, I most of I, I bird across the state, but most of my birding is in the western end of Tennessee, particularly along the Mississippi floodplain. But you've got the Mississippi floodplain on one end of the state and then the Appalachians on the other end. So you get all the great migration coming up the Mississippi flyway. And you can, you know, you can make the... For me, it's about a six-hour trip to far northeast Tennessee. But when you get up in the Appalachians of Tennessee, you get—I mean, you, you get some high elevation birds that you wouldn't really typically expect for Tennessee. We have nesting like black-capped chickadees and ravens, saltwood owls, some of the more, like I said, higher elevation and northern latitude warblers like Canada warbler breeds in the in the upper elevations, but. Across the state, you get a really wide variety of birds for what you would typically just consider, I mean, one of the landlocked states in the southeast, but we get a good good northern birds coming down in, in the winter, and the, the shorebird, I'm, shorebirds are my absolute favorite birds, and we get some incredible shorebird migration here. Yeah, I know people think about shorebird migrations being on the coast, but there's a whole set of shorebirds that come right up the middle of the country. It oh, it can no. be spectacular. Yes, yes, and we have in some of the some of the um, we have a location in, in in Memphis which has gone downhill a little bit the last few years just with the change in practices. But one of the it's the um, the big sewage the big sewage treatment area in Memphis, which over the years has had some incredible birds like. 
little and redneck stand, sharp tail sandpiper. Rough is pretty much an annual bird there, but and you can on a good day, it's easy to have five or six thousand, five or six thousand shorebirds there. Which very nice. For, it's about an hour drive, so it's somewhere. I, I when I have time, especially during migration, I try to get down there on a not nearly as frequently even as I used to, but still try to get down there at least a couple times a season, maybe. Yeah. Is spring or fall the most exciting time there? Spring is my favorite just because everything is so, you know, everything's so compressed into pretty, you know, during that, during that two to three week span from mid, mid through mid April through especially the first week and a half or so of May when you pretty much can get all the, most of the, the early, to catch the tail end, the most of the early migrants and the front edge of some of the later migrants, then it's all just kind of compressed into that, into that, that time frame. No matter, no matter how busy I am, I always try to take, try to make some time to, to spend some time. And most of my birding in the spring is down between, basically between Memphis, the south, the extreme southwest corner of Tennessee, and then you've got mm-hmm. Billfoot, the extreme northwest corner, and that whole corridor can be just amazing in the spring. Very that, cool. D- can you kind of mix a day up with some shore birding and some uh, passerine migration too? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say. Yeah, on, on a good day, I mean, I've had 25 species of warblers numerous times, but over 30 species of warblers on on a couple of days, and it can be, I mean, a lot of that is, you know, very dependent on weather and everything. And some of those birds you may only see one or two of, but yeah, I've had actual fallout days that maybe not quite what you would associate with like some of the big coastal fallouts, but where it was not far from being the old description of days gone by, almost warblers dripping from the trees, one of those deals. And in the same, some of those areas you can leave the woods and in 15 minutes you can be in prime shorebird habitat there in the floodplain. I'll definitely have to reach out to you when I'm uh, coming through and get some tips. That sounds terrific. No problem. No problem whatsoever. Yeah. Very cool. Michael, where do you live? I live in Jackson, which is about an hour northeast of Memphis. Okay. I don't right on I-40. Do you have a big commute to work or do you work right close to home? No, luckily now we moved to Jackson about six years ago. I've worked, I, I think this is my 28th year working at the working at the plant I work at. And mm-hmm. for about 20 of those, I lived about 50 miles away. So I had an, an hour commute each way. Now I'm literally 10 minutes from work, which is much more pleasant. I work at shift, so you got add a couple of hours of driving on to a 12 hour shift and do that six or seven days a week. You don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of time left over sometimes. Yeah. It sounds like this uh, for a lot of people. I, I jokingly tell uh, people that uh, COVID is a great time to be retired and to be a birder. You know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. if you have to work, they want you to work too much. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, if you, if you, if, if you like working some overtime, which I do overtime pays for my, for the trips I take and stuff, but it's definitely had a, it's had a positive impact on, I mean, I know COVID affected everybody in different ways. A lot of people that it really affected 
negatively financially. I can't say that. It's had a more, more of a positive effect than I really wanted, to be honest. But it's definitely had a negative effect on my local birding. So it's been good for paying for trips other places, but locally it's definitely slowed me down. Yeah, it's hard to get out when you're working as much as it sounds like you are. Uh, yeah. I did get, I did find you on eBird though, uh, and it sounds like you're a pretty avid uh, eBird lister and a reviewer. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was kind of actually one of the one of the first guys in Tennessee that really got into eBird when it was in its infancy. That finally convinced me it was. I mean, I'm talking about. I'm not sure. Obviously, several years ago but finally convinced me that it was something to something. Um, I started using it a little bit, but I had so many old records and I finally did get, I'd hate to think about the amount of time I spent in front of a computer entering, entering old stuff and uploading old, old photos to, to eBird. But I, I wish I had started it a lot, actually a lot sooner than I did. But yeah, I've been a reviewer now for, probably three, three or four years, some, something like that. I think I do eight counties, primarily the, primarily the Southwestern, Southwestern counties, like Shelby County is one of the, is probably the most active one. And there's another county that has one of the prime refuges in, um, in the state duck river, which is along the Tennessee, along the Tennessee river, Kentucky Lake impoundment, but it's one of the, premier locations in the state those two out of all my counties those two counties Humphreys with Duck River and Shelby with Memphis account for probably 90 percent of the of the records that I review so I, I have the, the greatest appreciation for eBird reviewers that's a it's a thankless job and uh, <laughs> one that really helps the rest of us who uh, may not be quite as sharp as most of you guys are well, I appreciate it. And it's like I said, I, I get, I mean, with, with my travels, I get um, communications with other, other reviewers regularly. A lot of times it may be, you know, a, a trip from 10 years ago that a filter got changed anyway, that something, something has been flagged literally that that's been in eBird for years, but sure, I'm, I'm the same way. And there's guys that some of the, some of the guys like in say California, Texas, Florida, that, I, I can't imagine being an eBird reviewer in some of those places that are just birded nonstop, which I think a lot of those probably have multiple, multiple reviewers for, for some of those areas, but. I suspect they do. Uh, what is the birding community like near where you live? Are, are there a lot of birders or is it, no. you, is that a lonely, a lonely Actually hobby? West, West Tennessee is probably the, of the three, of the three, West, West, middle and east. West is definitely the least birded, especially outside of outside. Memphis, Shelby County has has a fairly large birding population. But other than that, there are just a handful of us in West Tennessee. Myself and one of my best friends that's been birding almost as long as I have lives about oh, probably 20 miles from me. But we're the two most, of, as far as birders that live in West Tennessee, we're the two most most active outside of the, the Memphis area. When you get to Middle Tennessee, there's a Nashville's got a really large, really large birding community in East Tennessee with Chattanooga and Knoxville and 
Bristol, Johnson City area up in the extreme northeast. All those areas have fairly large birding communities. Did you grow up in the area that you're in now, uh, Michael, or did are you a uh, uh, transplant there? No, I've lived in lived in Tennessee pretty much all my life. When I was a child, I we traveled around some. My father worked for the government, but now I've I think we moved back to Tennessee when I was about six, and I've lived in Tennessee. Um, actually, before we moved to Jackson a few years ago, I lived in the town that I grew up in a little little town called McKenzie, small population. But but essentially, I've lived, other than like a couple of years in Nashville when I was going to school, essentially, I've lived within 50 miles of the same spot my whole life. So, Very cool. How did a, how did a rural uh, kid get into birding? One of my um, one of my parents' best friends was at the time. He he was an all around naturalist, and he was um, he he passed away a few years ago. But he was actually one of the um, one of the foremost authorities in the country on freshwater mussels. But he was an all around naturalist at the time. He was one of the top top birders in the state, but just from being around him. And also I've had a fascination with like aviation. And so I don't know, some, something about things that fly. So we, I actually had the aviation bug. I've been collecting books, aviation books and stuff since I was literally old enough to read, but I got into birding when I was about 10 and that's just nothing but just being around, being around Don, my, the, the friend that I'm talking about. My sure. My first mentor for sure. It's a, I can't tell you how many uh, uh, birders I've talked to who, you know, just uh, being fortunate enough to be uh, kind of a protege or be mentored by a, an adult or older kid uh, birder really makes a difference. Oh, no, w- without a doubt. Yeah. They're, the, it's funny back, you know, this was in the early, early eighties. I think the first, I think the oldest checklist I could find in mine was from 82, which I, I think I it actually did some very casual birding before that. But as far as actually getting serious enough to the point to actually start writing stuff down, it was 82 when I was, when I was 12 years old. But, cool. Michael, you said that, uh, You've, uh, you know, you've been working so hard, you haven't had a chance to bird locally as much, but you've been uh, taking advantage of that extra income to get some travel. And where have you been birding lately? Uh, outside the area. Outside the last year, the very first year of 20, I, I what 20 with travel and everything just, anyway, I, was the first year that I, I, I did one trip to the Outer Banks that year right before COVID broke. And that I had some other, I had, I think, three trips planned that year that got canceled. But last year, I finally was able to, um, we did a kind of spur of the moment trip to Panama. Essentially, the whole trip was based around one bird, Crested Eagle, which there was an active, an active nest and for a very short time, a reliable nest. Of course, the other the other, other birding was fantastic as well but ironically we did the trip for that one bird which the nest had failed literally within 24 <laughs> hours of when we got there so we saw some other great stuff but the main bird we went to see by chance wasn't one of them did you go with your local friend or some other people yeah now there, there's a, a small group of us that travel quite quite a bit together this was just th- three of us um three of us did did this trip and like i said it was kind of 
all thrown together within a couple of weeks and decided to decided to go to go do it. Um, also, last year I went to Bermuda this for the Bermuda petrol. Just oh. along with shorebirds, tube noses are probably my my other favorite group of birds. I love doing pelagic birding. I've not been out compared to a lot of people. I haven't been out a lot, but I've probably been out between the mostly off the east coast, off off Hatteras with um, Brian Patterson and Kate Sutherland, probably. Oh, 30 plus times now, and then another 10 plus at least off the West Coast. So, have you gotten up to the Northwest at all out of either Oregon or Washington? No, that's that is on my that is on my to do list for sure. I'm gonna, well, if you if you need a cheap trip, give me a call. I've got a spare bedroom, we'll book a trip. I'm that sounds all right. I, uh, that's something, yeah. That, that's I have something to say, definitely, uh, definitely one, of my, one of my really good birding friends, Bruce Labar. Uh, is one of the uh, trip leaders on the okay. Westport Pelagics, uh, oh, Westport yeah. Westport Seabirds uh, trips, and he goes out a whole bunch of times every year. And I, I you know, pelagic birding is I, I enjoy it, but I get seasick, so it's just not my totally favorite thing to do. But I try to get out two or three times a year anyway, and uh, getting to the East Coast for uh, the Hatteras or you know. East Coast Pelagic is on my to-do list, but I haven't made it there yet. So okay, it's yeah, it's 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 a great time. I've been lucky. I seasick. This is something that I've I've seen enough of it that I'm really glad that I've been fortunate enough, and that's not not something for knock on wood, not something that I've had any problem with thus far. Anyway, you're fortunate. I, I've I think I've got it solved. I I have my recipe, and if I do everything right, I'm usually fine. But I, oh, I have awesome. to. I have to, you know, get a good night's sleep, take my meclizine before bedtime, take more of it when I get up, don't stop eating the whole trip, stay outdoors the whole time. You know, I've got my I've got my routine down and it's worked yeah, so far. Definitely something to get figured out. That looks like one of these absolute worst experiences that I can imagine just from yeah. from seeing it. I think I spent my first pelagic trip lying in the gunnel standing up every time a good trip good bird was seen it was not i thought oh god i'll never do this again but i've 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 gotten better i'm glad 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 you persevered for sure yeah <laughs> do you have any good trips uh planned anything coming up the only thing the the main thing i've got planned so far this year one of the trips that got canceled in 2020 was an Alaska trip to, I've been to Alaska once. I did a fall trip to St. Paul Island and spent a week there and with a little bit of burning around Anchorage. But anyway, this trip is, I've always, I've been wanting to get to Nome, Nome for years now. And like I said, had a great trip planned in 2020 and it got, it got canceled, but we're going to, going to do Nome and Barrow and wow in June of this year with a little other birding, you know, around Anchorage and the Kenai, but. Yeah. But, I haven't made uh Barrow, but Nome is, it has to be in my top 10 places I've ever been. It is so Oh, cool. I can imagine. Just, yeah, I, it's just, you know, there's three roads out of Nome and you go one on one day and then one on the next day and one on the next day and you can do them yeah. over again if you want. There's, you know, yeah. more hiking and stuff you can do, but basically three roads out of town and you, take each of them to the end. It's, yeah. That's it's what I've, not a, not a complicated, uh, not a complicated uh, thing to do, but boy, it's just, once you get out of town, you're just, there's just no one around and the beauty is just spectacular. Oh, I, yeah. I've, I've been, it's one of my 
most wanted destinations for as long as even as a child looking at some of those, you know, looking at blue throats and stuff like that. And, and the bird books, it was just, yeah. One of these days I'll get there here. Well, it's only a few later, months away. <laughs> only a few months away. Good for you. Yeah. That's exciting. What, what about uh, birding Tennessee most excites you? What you, you said just shore birding in the spring. Uh, are there, I, I'm going to be in, um, in Nashville for, you know, th- three days and two nights, I think coming up uh, and I, I won't have a car, so I'll be Ubering or uh, walking to places. So uh, what should I uh, do around there? Yeah, there are. So when are you going to be there? I'm going to be there Friday and Saturday of this week coming up. Oh, okay. That's okay. Okay. Winter. Yeah. Um, one of the premier, most of my Nashville birding is also kind of in, in the spring. One of, one of the best warbler spots in the state is, it's, it's a place called Radnor, Radnor Lake, which is kind of in Nashville itself, but just a, a nice wooded, a nice wooded area with, with a nice lake that does get, it's had some good ducks on it over the years, but it's an area that's, it's good year round. I mean, it's just general Eastern, Eastern woodland birds but it can be magic in the spring. It's the best place in the spring and or in Tennessee, hands down for a Connecticut warbler. That's the main reason when I make my trips there, it's usually late in May when it, when the Connecticut's are coming through, but you've got Radnor Lake. You've got um, another area called um, Shelby farms. Okay. Very cool. I saw Shelby. It might be Shelby bottoms or something. Shelby like bottom. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Shelby farms is a Memphis location. Yeah. You're absolutely okay. Shelby, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shelby Bottoms, and it looked like Shelby other. Bottoms is a a short Uber ride from the hotel I'll be at, so I, I'll okay. definitely yeah. try to get there, and yeah, uh, I'll, ch- I'll check out I'll check out Radnor Lake. I don't know. I've got I'll have two mornings to get out, so maybe one one morning and one the next. We'll see. Okay, okay. You said that uh, you've got some good birding friends. Are most of the friends you uh, get on these trips with uh, from Tennessee, or do you are you scattered about? Yeah, no, the, the group we've got that, that travels, um, like I said, there were just th- three of us that three of us that did that Panama trip. But usually every year there's um, depends anywhere from usually it's eight, eight to 10 people all from Tennessee that that usually take one international trip together. We've been this year, we're hoping we've been we've been trying to do Cuba now f- since 2020 also. It's been pushed back and canceled, so we're hoping the end of this year to to do Cuba. This this past this past November, we went to Namibia. Oh wow! Which was fan fantastic. We did we did mostly the same group, and like I said, all all from Tennessee. But it is um, I'm used. There's one other friend of mine from Memphis that she goes sometimes, but it's primarily Nashville and Chattanooga birders with, like I said, with usually one or two, one or two West Tennessee birders thrown in the mix. But yeah, like I said, Namibia was just an amazing place to, amazing place to, to visit. Yeah. South Africa is uh, I, not a place I've been to. I've been to Kenya. And okay. to, to Morocco, but not oh, to South Africa. Yeah, so, Morocco so, is somewhere I've always wanted to go. Also. No, it, you know, I, I jokingly said, to, to, tell my friends that don't go bother to go bird in Europe. Just go to Morocco in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a lot easier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I had 
travel to Europe, not really birding, just family trips a couple of times with my wife. And I maybe had a hundred species in Europe or something. I don't remember, just a few species okay. uh, and spent uh, two weeks in Morocco. And I think there were like three birds or five birds I had seen in Europe that I didn't see migrating through in, okay, Mor- that's... in Morocco. So it's just, I mean, it's just really a cool place, but, but Kenya was, oh, I have to say yeah, that's, yeah. East Africa is really special. So it sounds like you've got a great group. Do you usually uh, go on a, a, you know, a, a fixed trip, like, you know, a rock jumper or some, one of the big uh, company trips. So do you put your own trip together and get a local guy? Now, uh, most of these we have actually, it's, it's all been just custom, custom trips with our group, but now we normally use tropical birding, you know, some of the, some of the tropical birding guides and okay. get, anyway, get along great. And it's always, yeah, I mean, of course there's so many, so many good options now on the, on the birding tour company front. And man, I know those guys got Oh boy! If you can support them, about, find a way. Yeah, yeah. Just about about COVID, about the different the, the different ends of the spectrum with COVID treating people. Yeah, being a trying to make a living, being a tour guide during those. Which luckily, I think it finally has come back around. But man, I, I think it, I think it's starting to. I don't think yeah. it's all the way back, but it's oh no doubt. But yeah, it's it, yeah. it's it's hopefully turned the turn the corner anyway. But yeah, but yeah, I felt felt definitely felt for those guys. Yeah. That, that had to be just super, super tough. I can't even imagine uh, trying to uh, support myself on a ecotourism or birding tourism job when nobody's willing to travel. Or able yeah, to exactly. Travel. Yeah. Yeah. Just wicked. Uh, so you've got some good trips planned coming up. How do you see work going? Do you think it's going to back off at any time soon? you get back to birding locally or is, is this uh you know, sort of, super amount of a demand for overtime work just going to go on and on. What's your prediction? Yeah. To, to be honest for just, just in, in my situation, we're having such a hard time hiring people and we've lost, we've lost people. And now we're actually losing more people because they are tired of working all the time. Even I think it's a pretty similar situation. Most places I don't really I mean, I don't think there's a lot of just great, you know, 40 hour a week jobs out there now. Most of, most everybody's in the same, the same shape we are, but I, I wish I had a, a, a better opinion of how this was going to go for me, but I don't think my situation is going to change anytime soon. My, my company is trying to hire, is trying to hire a lot of people, but um, the way it's been going, if we, if we hire five this week, next week, well, there'll be two of those left. And then it all just starts over again. Yeah. I've heard that uh, just finding uh, employees is a nationwide challenge right now. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. I can, I can attest to that for sure. It is good. Uh, so uh, tell me your birding story. You said that you uh, were got associated with a, a top birder who was a friend of your dad's. Uh, did you have other young birders growing up that you uh, hung out with or tell me, kind of tell me your birding story. Yeah, no, uh, like I said, I had um, I basically drug, drug my father into it with me. Initially it just started off as being, he would just doing the good dad thing. He would, he was my transportation and eventually he really got interested in it, but no, there were, I didn't know any other young birders when I was, when I was growing up. Um, 
kind of ironic that one of the guys I travel with now was birding, who, who, who grew up in Nashville, was birding at the same time, but our somehow our past just never just never crossed. Um, of course, she didn't have uh, the um, email and Facebook groups and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> back back then, it was definitely yeah who who you knew, and when somebody found a good bird, you know, you'd actually actually get a, you know a, a landline phone call. It was definitely a more complicated process or a more time consuming process anyway. It may not be more complicated, but so my, my dad got into it and I kind of, I wish I hadn't, but when I got on up into my teens, my late teens, I kind of took about a 10 year birding hiatus. Um, I definitely, I wish I'd have just stuck with birding. I'd probably been, probably been better off in the long run. But even when I kind of, when I kind of started slowing down, my dad kept, kept birding for several years getting out he never was a really he really enjoyed birding and and enjoyed taking taking photos even back in the film days which i've got lord i've got utmost respect for for oh, people gosh. do that because i cannot it just blows my mind how much more effort that it took back in even back in the 80s to be able to just attempt to photograph birds with film and Lord, it's just, yeah, makes my head hurt thinking about it. Yeah. But, it's not like you can take a thousand pictures and hope one yeah, comes yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Click and delete, click and delete whatever you, whatever you're not happy with, whether it's six months later when you, which is about the, about where I'm running. I'm so far behind on, on photo editing along with everything else. But yeah, yeah. I did know one of the one of the best things that came out of my childhood birding. I met met a guy from Memphis who wound up being his name was name was Jeff Jeff Wilson. His, he actually he went by the old coot. That's whatever. That's that was like his moniker. But he he, he was turned into basically a legend in the southeast. Over he he passed away in twenty thirteen, I believe. He he was the top birder in Tennessee for the top lister and between Tennessee and he birded extensively in like Arkansas and Mississippi, all over the southeast. Probably had 30, 30 first state records between Tennessee and the adjoining states. He was literally if you were in the if you were an active birder in the southeast, you you knew who Jeff was. And I, I met him and birded with him quite a bit as I was a child. And then when I got back into it, 2000 is the year that I really actually, um, I sold my life. I'd kind of, I'd gotten into riding motorcycles when I, I sold my last motorcycle and was looking for something to, to do again. And just randomly was looking at the internet and saw a report that Jeff had posted. And that's kind of what brought me back into birds. And anyway, we got, we got real close again and I spent, Lord, hundreds of hours over the years birding with him. A lot of time down at the place I was talking about in Memphis, the shorebird spot, the the sewage mm -hmm. lagoons down there. Very nice. Yeah, having having a, a mentor again just uh, it doesn't get better. No, that's yeah, yeah. It, it makes a makes a huge definitely makes a huge difference. 
good. Uh, so, Michael, thanks for being on with me today. T- tell me, you know, if you had, uh, you say, three trips left to take in the uh, ABA, where would you go? You're going to go to Alaska. That's one of them. Yeah, in the in the ABA, that um, those those Alaska birds are pretty much outside of vagrants. The main thing I've got some of my favorite spots. I mean, I've birded a lot, and boy, I me. Mean, if you're going to be a seriously, a fairly, even fairly seriously ABA birder, you got to spend a lot of time in Texas. You got to spend a lot of time in California, Florida, those key Arizona. Places. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Arizona. Yeah. But um, one of my absolute favorite places is going up to Duluth, Minnesota. Hmm. Four, I think four times now in the winter. I wow. just, I love. I love those northern birds, and it's a it's an amazing place during the breeding season, also. But going up there when all the only only good year for great grays and and hawk owls, it's just yeah, it's just magic. It's just magic for me. Definitely on my to do list. Well, it sounds like you've got lots left to do, and uh, I hope you get to do a lot of it real soon. Oh yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, there's a I'm. Hoping that the cruise situation at some point gets back to being fairly uh, a little more reliable. The 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 Antarctic is probably my most my most wanted world location for the cheapers yeah. obviously. It's on my. Uh, I was scheduled to go to the Antarctic the first fall of COVID. Oh, and, okay. and the, with, the AB, with the ABA trip, and it got canceled, and the second oh, fall okay. of COVID. And it got canceled, and I'm hoping for this fall. We'll see. But that's okay. Uh, Why? Well, yeah, that's been on my most desired things. Just, just for the spectacle. See the, yeah, I'm, see I'm the, the places yeah. and you know yeah. penguins, and penguins and all, all the, the, the tube noses the and the yeah, crazy owls. Yeah, all the yeah, crazy just, uh, tube noses should be really, really cool. I'm yeah, super well, excited I, about that. Uh, I sure but, hope it works uh, out for you. I hope so. Well, it will one of these years, if I live long enough, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> good way to look at it. Yeah, good. Anyway, Michael, thanks so much for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I am hoping that I can get a hold of you when I'm uh, in it'll. I'll be sort of the second half of April, uh, oh, okay. uh, cruising that up, would... cruising up through up through where you live in your area. That, so yeah, I will definitely, definitely try to arrange a, a time to get together. Thanks yeah, so much. That, that sounds great. Appreciate you it. Take, you care now. Bye bye. All right. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner podcast, episode number 124 with Michael Todd. How much fun to hear his Southern drawl. That was really cool. I, I love hearing a real Southerner talk. It just it just slows everything down and gets you in the right frame of mind. Uh, so it was really fun to hear his story. And I am excited to maybe hook up with him for a day of birding uh, in, May, in April. And, and that should be really fun if we make it happen. And if it doesn't make it happen, that'll be fun anyway. But I really appreciated him taking the time out of his ridiculously busy work schedule these days to be on the podcast. Nice to hear about birding Tennessee. Sounds like a really diverse and cool state to bird in. And I can't wait to be there. I'll let you know how it went in a future podcast. But for now, thanks for listening. Good birding. Good day. Good day.